Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with comic Adam Mueller. Adam Mueller, how the hell are you? Fantastic. Oh, good. Thank you so much for coming on in the cold weather. And where can people find you do stand-up comedy on stage in New York City? And where can they find you online? Where can they find me? Well, New York City, I'm all over the place. Uh, I'm at Gotham a lot. Yeah, the Uh, last comic saw you. And they're like, I saw you last night. You're a funny guy. Yes, I mean, last night at uh, Connolly's in Midtown. Oh, cool. Yeah, which was kind of a Gotham-connected show. Um, I'm at uh, Greenwich Comedy Club a lot, at The Stand a lot. if if you're if you're in the scene and you do a lot of open mics and bounce around shows, it's hard to avoid me. Because you're also doing or hosting open mics. Yeah, I host some of the Laughing Buddha open mics. Oh, cool. Um, which is uh, which is fun. And a lot good. of the, a lot of the comics are are cutting their teeth at the Laughing Buddha. Yeah, I think I think it's one of the look. I think Laughing Buddha has a very good uh, search engine optimization, so people find them. <laughs> um, and it's also a mic that you can sign up for online. And you know, you have a spot. Oh, so you cool. don't have to worry about getting there super early. And yeah, it's a it's a bucket, um, so you know that's randomized. So I think that draws a lot of people. Yeah, you worry a little bit that the person running the mic is going to be the gatekeeper who's putting all his friends on the best spots. Yeah, I mean that can happen. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Th- that's not always bad. Okay. That's like there's an element of like work hard, earn your stripes, become <laughs> become one of those people that can yeah. walk in and go early. Like you should aspire to that. Yeah. But all that said, it is nice to be able to know that a mic is. Uh, is going to be a fair bucket and that you can just sign up and know you have a spot. Good. And it's good. And so that's you hosting Laughing Buddha, but you're everywhere, and they'll find your upcoming show dates at Adam, uh, adammuller.com or Adam Mueller across all platforms, although it's spelled Muller. Yes. Okay. Adam, Adam, Adam Muller, although that's not the wrong pronunciation. Yeah, Adam, <laughs> adammullercomedy.com. Oh, cool. You can find all kinds of stuff. Okay. And then one thing we're talking about today is the fact that you started comedy a little bit later. And you had a background in finance, yeah. and I just want to know kind of what, you know, why did you start, and what um, what have you found to be the, you know, uh, what what's the thing that we have to know about comics who are starting later? Is it possible? I mean, it sounds like you are showing us that it is. Um, I, I think the jury's still out. I think, <laughs> I think I'm where, I think I've exceeded my expectations for where, when I started, of where I'd be. Okay. Um, but. And how, I mean, many, I how many years in are you? I'm like three years, almost three years in like full, full time. Okay. So it's a little different. Um, the, my path is a little different only in that I'm not, I ha- that those three years I haven't had to maintain a, a 40 hour pl- or whatever oh, uh, week job. You so, have a nest egg from finance. Yes. Yeah, so I'm slowly burning through all my savings <laughs> and, um, eventually I will need a, a real person job again. Okay. But there was sort of a, a budget was put in place when I started and I said, I'm going to burn through this. And until I do, I'm only focusing on comedy. That's amazing. And so what's your hustle like? I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot of shows everywhere, but what did it look like in the beginning? Were you going to a lot of mics and just forming that first five minutes? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, so I started like a lot of people. I started with a class. Okay. Um, and then kept, even as I as I kind of finished the class and started doing a lot of open mics, I kept taking classes. Oh, cool. So I, I'm a, if, if you're out there and you were curious about comedy classes in New York, I've probably taken most of them. Yeah, I think I took one and the guy the guy was such a genius writer that it was a little di- little disheartening. I was like, I'm better at other things and he is perfect at this. 
There's yeah, a guy yeah. named Frank something or other. I mean, there's a, yeah, what, oh. yeah, who is the big guy in your comedy class? Who's the teacher? Who's the teacher? Well, I, um, was you it know, Jessica, I, Jessica Kirsten or? No, I think, was? you know, I think when I, as I started, I think she may have had already kind of stopped teaching, but uh, Joe DeVito teaches a writing class through Laughing Buddha, oh, okay. which is fantastic, which is one of the ways I ended up getting hooked up with Laughing Buddha. Okay. And, and now, as you mentioned, I host some of the mics. That's how you make a connection with Adam Mike is take their class. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, Manhattan Comedy School, which is Gotham, um, which is where the, the done through Gotham is a great great classes and I I've take I kept taking the beginner classes because to me it was just like a great open mic. Oh cool! With a bunch of people that are very enthusiastic and new and Good. honest in their reactions, and yeah. then you get a fun show at the end. Yeah. So I always I, I did that a lot. Um, and that probably hurt the budget a little bit. Like you you would have more road to go. You know you'd have more rope. Um, on your string or whatever, you, you'd have more budget if you didn't go into the classes. But then you'd have less connections and, yeah. and less chops. Yeah, and you know, everyone that I've taken classes with has become like a great... Uh, every class, like you keep all the emails and you have this mailing oh. list of people you've taken classes with. And even if they don't keep doing comedy, they're clearly interested in it. They're going to come see your come shows. And they're going to come see some shows. Wow. Yeah, so it's an interesting... That's a nice investment. It's a, yeah. as, a, as a guy with background in finance, I think you'd look at that as an investment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All of this was an investment in, right. in myself. And even if a year from now I'm no longer doing comedy, which... I don't think would happen, yeah. but you know, you're, I'm a better, more interesting person Good. as a result. And also just have a better understanding of myself because you start digging through everything you've ever done looking for jokes. Ah, and so what, what's a good <laughs> source of jokes for you? Like what in your past? I mean, are you talking about your finance job or what in your life do you find that as a rich source of material? Oh, it's a great, it's a great question because that's the struggle because yeah. um, you're looking for how, you know, everyone's, every, you're trying to be different and unique. Um, and some people have very obvious things about them that are fascinating to other people. And, and, and you, I, yeah, you, you don't know what's fascinating about you until somebody's like, dude, are you telling that on stage? stage? Right. Cause you should be right. Because, yeah. you know, talking about finance, talking about working in a bank, um, was really hard at first cause okay. it seemed so unlikable. But also the NDA, you know, you signed right. an agreement that don't <laughs> disparage, don't disparage. No, I do have a joke about <laughs> oh, do? that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are things that I probably shouldn't talk about, but, um, it's just not a, like bankers are not a likable group of people. Yeah, as a whole. Right? So it was. It's a tricky. It was a tricky thing to figure out how to talk about it. Um, and even now, it's still. I still struggle with it. I still don't have as much material about like that job as I probably should. Were you hardcore finance, or can you say I was only in tech? I was only in tech, or I was only in PR. Oh no, I was. I was in it. I was, oh, you were the investment banker making the flip books or the I pitch was, books. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look at you. You know the, you know the lingo. <laughs> I, was in, I was in securities law back in the day, but it wasn't. Oh. Wall Street is more like arbitration and things like that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because we used to think like the lawyers we worked with on M&A deals and, and uh, IPOs and stuff, like those were the only jobs that seemed worse than ours. Yeah, yeah. I think I read Mo Monkey Business was a book Monkey, about yes. investment banking. And yes. I thought, yeah, I thought I heard something that like that. Required yeah. reading if, yeah. you, if you're interested in, in investment banking. Monkey just, business. Yeah, you better be good with the people in the copy shop because you're going to be no you're going to know them intimately and putting yeah. together these big binders. But yeah, so I guess so far I haven't found much that's funny in there unless you're able to kind of respond to the public's demonization of that class of workers. Yeah, no, that's it has to be self-deprecating. Yeah. It has to be and it and you know, I, I worked at a bank for a long time, then I worked at a hedge fund, then oh. I worked <laughs> then I worked for an investment management company. I also like that too. You're like, oh okay, well I mean you know, you guys demonized us enough. So I went to work for a hedge fund. Yeah, yeah. Like even that's pretty funny. Yeah, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to be evil anyway, I may as well go all the way. <laughs> yeah. I might as well have catered lunches instead yeah, yeah. of just expense accounts. But you're finding that other things in your past, like, you know, even how did you get into, like, you know, you have to be pretty credentialed even to get that job. And so did you go to good schools and are you able to t talk about people at those schools being dense or whatever? Well, that's interesting. Like, I, I do, I have a rich academic history. Okay. Um, which is interesting, like, which I, again, I try to talk about and it's it's a bit of a... Yeah, that's hard too. It's tricky. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of fun because it makes... 
it, it doesn't it doesn't scream comic. Yeah, right. Like being like, oh, I you know I have a master's degree. I have two master's degrees. <laughs> I worked on Wall Street. My parents love me. How on earth am I a stand-up comic? That's a perfect joke. But um, that's a new joke. That's part of a new joke written this week, in fact. Okay. But, uh, um, it took you that long to come up with just that perfect bit. Yeah. Wow. Well, because you were so hesitant to go back to it, right? Well, it was interesting because when I was at an, I was at an investment management company, it was like kind of the end of my finance career, and the reason it ended was. They shut down the business unit. So like okay. 60 people, you know, effectively got laid off. And at the time it was devastating, but now it's like, oh, thank God, because yeah. that's a great way to get into the material because I can talk about how I got fired. Yeah. And that's a very relatable thing. <laughs> I, you you know, just ignore the stack of money you were surfing out on. Well, until people find out that, oh, and then you're using all that money, including the severance, so that you don't have to work and yeah. can just uh, write jokes and then tell them at night. But, and they're just jealous. But they're eventually all, it'll run out. Yeah, they're all peanut butter and jealous. Yeah, then I'll be the oldest barista in New York. <laughs> and then, how, yeah, what's the reaction to, you know, was there any trepidation about being the oldest dude in, at an open mic? And you might not be. You might just be a little bit older than the 20-year-olds who are going on. No, you know, well, it's interesting because, I mean, look, there are, there are absolutely people at open mics that are older than me. Yeah. And some of them are fantastically Hilarious, funny. right. And, um, but often there will be mics where... You know, there's, it doesn't look like there's anyone over the age of 30, and then there's a bit of a gap, and then me. <laughs> and it's, um, I find it fascinating, because one, it's a way for me to keep in, like, I'm in touch with what the quote-unquote youth of today are thinking about and okay. doing right. in a way that I wasn't before. While still remaining in touch with the older, yeah, the, because you the just middle hear, age, right? Yeah, the premises are fascinating. Yeah. Like, someone who's 22, <laughs> what, just the premise, like, I, whether the joke is funny or not. That's a separate it's thing. Fun, it's but, funny to you that his premise is my life is over at 22 or something. Yeah, yeah. and I love when someone who's like 28 goes like starts with, you know, I'm getting older. <laughs> and I'm just like, shut up. Um, but you know what? There's Hangovers someone who's, are worse. Yeah. They take longer to recover from. But when I do I'm, when I do my I'm getting older joke, there's probably some 60-year-old in the back who's like, shut <laughs> up. Like it, which is funny, right? Because every yeah. age, every, every kind of decade you hit, you feel older than you were because yeah. you are. And so those jokes are kind of relatable to everybody. Yeah. But. And so, like, have, have you been, you know, and I guess age brings wisdom or, or at least discipline, and it sounds like you might have been more disciplined in attacking the career because uh, you knew that you only had so long to make it on that nest egg and you were going full bore and you wanted to make sure by the time you ran out of money you had a source of more income that was comedy-related. Yeah, I mean, I, for me it was, um, I took the class, right? So standard class, you know, once a week for six weeks, you have a show at the end. I thought that was fun. Yeah. I think I, d I did okay, but I, I, I'm self-aware enough and realistic enough to know, like, that's still pretty bad, like, in, <laughs> relative to the entire universe of comedians. Yeah. But for me, and I thought, I wonder, this w it was fun. I think I could be good. I'm going to give myself, uh, I think the first time I said, I'm going to give myself three months and run as hard as I can, then reassess. Three months. Three months. So, okay. so, I, so I'd done the six weeks class and then all of a sudden it was like, okay, three months was, you know, 15 to 20 mics a week wow. for three months, writing every morning. And at the end of the three months, it was like, okay, there's been real progress. I'm going to give it another three months. That went by. I felt good again. I said, okay, now I'm going to give it six months. That'll make it a year. And then I'll decide, do I keep going? And, and every time I'd hit one of those points, I'd be like, I got to keep going. Wow. And did, did you kind of, do you think that your, your analysis that, you know, when at the end of that period when you had to say, am I going to keep doing this, did you try to schedule that for after a good performance or after it? Because, I mean, no. if you had done it after a bomb, you'd be like, fuck this. No, that's a fair point. Um, no, I, don't, I didn't really key it off of any, like a show or anything. It was okay. just more trying to think back 
holistically over the period of time and, yeah. and, and think back to, or even watch a tape or listen to the audio of an open mic from three, six months before. And be like, oh, That's cool. embarrassing now. I'm getting And so as long as better. I'm still, as long as I'm embarrassed by what I did three <laughs> months ago, I'm improving and I got to keep going. Oh, I love that. And then, and then kind of what was your, you know, the difference between writing and performing? Like, are you writing on stage at all or is everything still in the morning before you go up on all your mics? Um, most of my writing, very little of my writing is on stage. Every once in a while I might, in the moment, might find a line or a riff or yeah. something. But um, I'm pretty methodical word for word, syllable by syllable. Just like you were in finance, man. Yeah, no, it's very similar. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'm your, count- your pitch bu- books were excellent. I remember the reviews. <laughs> I'm, I'm counting words. Uh, for the longest time, I would transcribe shows. Oh, and okay. then I would look at, you know, okay, I did four minutes and 57 seconds. It was this many words, which means I said <laughs> 1.73 words a second. <gasps> And and it, and it was a good set, which means I was still pausing for laughs. Right. And over time, I was like, okay, so if I'm going to do 10 minutes, I'm going to say about 1.7 words a second. So this is the number of words I can have, and I would craft the set. And you're, you stopped and doing, I, yeah, stop doing that at some point? Well, kinda, I kind of honed in into the okay. zone of how quickly I norm, I speak. Okay. And so I can kind of just use that to, to craft a set where I know like this will be the right amount of time. And are you getting, I mean, are you counting laughs, for, laughs per minute? Because I would oh, think yeah, that absolutely. your methodical process oh, would second, lend itself well to the second to decimal place, yeah. <laughs> And how do yeah, so I, <laughs> and I guess how do you quantify like you know is it any laugh at all or is there you know do you have a scale between belly laughs versus mm. versus clapter? Well, it's funny you say that because I would also rate each laugh, <laughs> and I had a scale of zero to five, and I like love three, it. three was like the laugh I want. Okay. Right, three was like that's a good joke. It stays. Right. Five was like applause break. Okay. Like full room applause break, not like one drunk dude in the back. <laughs> And uh, and zero zero was like there was no sound. Like, okay. No one even knew it was supposed to be a punchline. That made its way into your your rating system. Yeah. Okay. But I also love it too. You could be in the moment. Like that was only a three left guys. For that to stay in the act, you got to be at a four. You got yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like Brody Stevens, where he would just yeah. kind of like be you know, break down the fourth wall. And I never gave myself a five. Okay. I never. I got a couple fours. I never gave myself a five. You got to Yeah. You got to. The elusive five is still out there somewhere. But when you're getting all the fives and you're no longer able to be embarrassed at yourself five year five you know five months before or five years before, that no longer means to stop, does it? Like I mean, you know you're good enough now, where you know you're continually continually improving, mm-hmm. even though you're not going to be embarrassed. You know you're not going to be embarrassed by what you did last night because there was a comic who walked out and she said, "I saw you last night. You were great." But yeah, it was interesting the show she saw because like there was jokes I had done. I did three sets last night, wow. and that was the third that she saw. Okay. The first two went great, okay. and then and, uh, including a newer joke, from, you know, new in the over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I did it on the third show as well and got nothing. Okay. <laughs> so she's more saying, "Yeah, you're a funny guy." More and more like, I, you know, "I'm just saying that to yeah. be nice." Well, I think the comics in the back appreciated the joke. Oh, cool! Because it's clever, and it, I, I I was early in the show, and I'm not sure the room was ready okay. for a joke like that. It may have been a miscalculation on my part, but I got him right back after so it was all fine i don't think anyone even remembers that that joke happened i love that your comics comic and my my question is like if is there going to be tangible proof that you spent all these years doing it like are you angling towards at some point taping you know taping the half hour and putting mm. you know a special as it were and what's a special and what's what's adam mueller special gonna look like um that's great like it, that, when do you even do a special and and how the hell is it done you know when you're you've been spending years doing it and you're you're ready to have tangible proof yeah. that you've been working your ass off I mean, that would be, that'd be, that's a, an aspirational goal would be to, look, the, I, I try to think of short-term goals because long-term it's like, oh, I want a Netflix special. Or maybe, yeah. that, first of all, Netflix might not even be the right medium by the time <laughs> I get, who knows? I mean, who's to say? But um, I'd rather, I'd rather, it's, for me, it's more like I want, I want my half hour to be tighter okay. in three to six months. Okay. I'm still kind of on that short-term orientation because. How are you? Saying like I want 
like I don't know what I want. Okay. Like it'd be it'd be to have a full hour and to be able to do it in in front of people that want to be there because you're doing it. That'd wow. be a, such a thrill. Yeah. And but then why would so you even bur- why would you even burn that at that point? Like some people are like, why would you take the hour that you've just worked uh, worked years on and then burn it? Because then you can't do it anymore if everybody's seen it on Netflix. Well I, f- well, I feel like that first hour. Um, is the longest one to put together because it's from when you began to when you get to a point where you can do it. And I think for me, I'd probably have, if I did an hour, I'd probably have two. Oh. Or an hour, or ninety minutes. Or oh, okay. There'd be something in my like. I would the next day. I wouldn't be like, uh oh, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'd I'd want to I'd want to time it in such a way so that I've already got a head start. Yeah. Like even even Stephen Rogers was talking about opening for Gary Goldman. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, did he do the Great Depression stuff? And he goes, this was while he was writing Great Depression. And I can tell you that there's another thirty minutes or, or sixty minutes of great stuff that didn't make its way on there. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great because you really need the head start if you know if if your material is burnt. And I guess it's not necessarily like you could even make a Netflix special that's not seen by everybody. You know, like Theo Vaughn had a, had a special yeah. on there, and it's like I don't even remember some of the jokes; they'd be new to me. Well, I heard someone recently saying that Netflix told them that uh, the vast majority of people watch like thirty minutes of the special, and then they start trailing and, off. And yeah. they were saying that they still the second half of their special they still do it on the road because most of their fans haven't. Oh, that's cool. Seen it. So that's an interesting sort of dynamic of kind of the attention span of yeah, or, of people. But. And I'll, I'll give somebody one joke. Like even Pete, Pete Davidson recently came out with a thing. And yeah, yeah. I, I just heard the first Louis C.K. Bit, CK bit and I thought that was fine. And then the title card. And then, and then, then he went off. into something else that was less than funny. So I turn it off. Yeah, yeah. I'll give everybody one joke. I mean, I, I, I tend to watch specials in chunks. Okay. I don't always, it's hard to sit down for an hour, but I like to, but there's certain people where I want to see it and I want, and I, I like to watch it first as like a fan. Yeah. And, and then the second time. And are you busting out notes on that second time through the Adam Mueller way? I'm thinking. Are you rating it? Are you LPM laughs for a minute? Look, when I I, well, I'm not counting laughs for an hour, but when I see a joke I really like, I tend to write it. I tend to transcribe it because I want to see what it looks like on paper. Okay. Because I'm writing. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm talking stuff out to myself as well as writing it down. But at the end of the day, it all ends up on paper at some point. Yeah. And being able to write in a way that translates to how you speak. Okay. And so you write it with certain pauses in there as to how you would say. Or, no, how, or, or how, how the person says Just so that I can, that when I go back to that joke, if it's a, it's a Mark Norman joke, or say, yeah. for example, I can go back and look at it and I can hear his, I can hear his voice and his cadence <laughs> say the joke. And I'm just trying to understand, like, think, when you see the words on paper, I can think of what were the other 10 words he thought of in that spot before uh-huh. he landed on you know, whatever joke we're talking about. or And then do you take that and be like, is there anything in my life that's similar, you know, he's writing about this particular topic like dating or first one-night mm. stand. Do I have anything and, you know, have I had a one-night stand in my life where I can also think of a joke? Oh, sometimes that triggers the thought process yeah, around. because it's, yeah, it's not stealing. It's just like, oh, shit, he had a boss that was fucked up. Do I, have I ever had a boss oh, that's absolutely. fucked up? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, there's often times where you're watching something and you have to turn it off. You turn it off after the setup because you don't want to hear the punchline until you thought about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, even just in, through open mics, every premise is triggering people's brains about, yeah. did I ever have a situation remotely like that? And yeah. maybe it went off in a different direction. And um, Absolutely. But I just think seeing how the jokes look on paper helps me write to what to the way people talk, if that, that is, makes sense. And so you're figuring out how Mark Norman talks by how he's kind of pausing and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And that helps you because you talk your own way. Like you, I mean, like how does that help you in figuring out how Mark Mark Norman told that joke? Well, I think I want to be able to see the. How do, that's a. I think it's it's um. 
Like why? What you're almost saying? Why was that funny? Oh, because he paused here. Because Mark, Mark Norman t- tends to pause here. Well, what's really interesting? Here's another. Uh, this is I'm getting at the, your question, but kind of through the back door. But okay. there's some some late night sets where I watch it. Someone does a Colbert set, and it's it's I'm dying laughing. I love it, yeah. and I've seen you know, and then I transcribe it, and then I go back and I read the transcript, and I'm like, it's not funny. <laughs> why did he? It why become was, so funny in the performance? Yeah. Why did? Yeah. And so for me that because because I think my writing got better. Uh, my, I think I've always been a decent writer, a good writer. Okay. I'm gonna say, and and translating that to jokes was a lot more seamless. I mean, it's still difficult, okay. but way easier for me than the performance piece, which is still uh, playing catch up. Because okay. I had no theatrical training; I'd never been on stage, period, for anything in any way, shape, or form. Um, I mean, I'd done public speaking to the extent that I'd flipped through financial model pitch books with CEOs, <laughs> but that's not the same as. Right. Um, and so you almost had to make your delivery a little bit more theat- with theatrics in mind yeah. so that you would kind of go in that direction with well, just high the, energy and stuff. Like the, the ability of a persona to amplify a joke and uh-huh. to connect with an audience. I had never thought about those sorts of things. So seeing someone who's, who's more persona-driven where when I see the joke, when I see the words of the joke, I'm like, I, if I had just read this, I wouldn't have laughed. But right. then I saw them perform it. And I was doubled over laughing. And so you, you and try to, to take connect. tips, like, okay, what did he do to elevate this material from B, B to A plus? Right. Can I do the same thing by being more energetic or using yeah. voices or act outs or something? Or what is it about my personality that I should amplify so that th- this joke connects to who I'm supposed, who I am? Because by nature, you're a finance guy who counts laughs per minute. Yeah. <laughs> To the second decimal place. Yeah, yeah so, that's so, just that's my thing. Yeah, and, uh, and when they come see you on stage, and you're going to be everywhere, it sounds like. But w- you know, what can they expect from the Adam Mueller persona these days? You know, how yeah, far yeah. have you gotten gotten beyond Adam Mueller, the finance guy? Well, I think. Look, I think that I I think the jokes are 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 tight, fun jokes. I don't. I'm clean generally. Okay. Like, it doesn't mean every topic is you know. Spick and span clean, but like I don't, I don't feel the need to swear. Okay. Um, there's no, there's no, uh, nothing's kind of gross. Okay. It's I'm not trying to, I'm not. There's no, sho- I'm not trying to use shock value. I'm trying to write. If there's a, you know, someone's a first draft of a joke. There's sort of a shocking conclusion, and right. that's a placeholder until I can think of a way to say it in a way that is a little more palatable. Okay. Because you're um, trying to be palatable. You're trying to, you, you have your mind on commerce because you're from finance. You want to make sure that it's pal- palatable to the masses. You don't want to have to, you don't want to not be able to work certain rooms because you're blue or something. Yeah. I mean, I heard yeah. someone say that, you know, if, uh, if someone's a clean headliner, they'd rather have a clean opener. And if someone's a dirty headliner, they'd rather have a clean <laughs> opener. Ah, okay. So like, oh, that's easy. So be <laughs> clean. I mean, that's simple. If you want to work. Yeah. Um, because to me, it's all starting older, right? It's all about I have to be as efficient as possible. Yeah, you only have so much time left. Yeah, I don't. Know, yeah, I can't. Yeah. If, so if it's if being clean, first of all, I think that's a little more who I am. But yeah. also, if that's a better, a faster path, then that's what I'll do. That's it's what easy. Adam Mueller does. And to find out where he's going to do stand-up comedy next on stage, you can find him at Adam Mueller spelled like Mueller. Is Adam yes, exactly. Mueller, Adam Mueller. Exactly. Adam Mueller. Dot com. Yeah. Adam Mueller across all social platforms. Yeah, yeah. and I'll okay. be uh, I'll be at Gotham on Tuesday. Sweet. Seven o'clock. Um, Gotham Comedy Club. That's the big yeah. time. Yeah, and you know, I, and I've uh, got a podcast I'm working on right now. Oh, cool. What's has that about? It, hasn't been released yet. Okay. So the one that we haven't mentioned is I'm actually also Canadian. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. What a unique uh, personality trait. Yeah, Canadian. I love that. And but so you it, talk about that on stage? Oh uh, well, yeah, a big part. Okay. Because it's you know. A big you still part. got the accent? Can you put on the accent? You know, I've been here too long. <laughs> I. When I try to put it on, it sounds like someone trying to fake Canadian accent, which is ironic. Um, but I can't, yeah, I can't, 
I could do like you know, sorry. Uh, I can do a word. And are you Cana- are you Canadian nice, and that makes its way into your persona? Yeah, and okay. I joke about that. Oh, cool. I think that's part of the clean, nice, friendly. You know, I'll do your taxes kind of <laughs> thing that I got going on. And is the um, podcast going to be related to Canadian comics living in New York City? It's, in a sense, it's uh, so it's four of us, so two Canadians, an Australian, and a British guy. Oh, cool. So um, it's like a transplant. So it's like a Commonwealth. <laughs> it, it'll be called Uncommonwealth. Oh, cool. And it's us just. Uh, from our perspectives, living here now, what now, do we think? And I love it because it's uncommon wealth. Like you guys might yeah. not be wealthy anymore, but you have an uncommon wealth, and that's right. h- that's hilarity. Right? And we're not part. Of, we're not in the Commonwealth anymore. We're we're all living in New York City, so it's uncommon. Wealth. Dude, he's a Canadian. He's Canadian, nice, and he's just fucking slaying because he only has a couple months left on his count. Like by your current countdown of when you have to analyze whether or not to keep going, how many months or years do you have? What do we? You know, I I think actually just in January I was like I think. I think I, I'm good for all of 2020 now. Oh, good, good. You can see him at so least, I can calm down at least through the end of 2020. At least, yes. Adam Mueller, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.